Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. JT, welcome back. It is Friday, hour number two here on Raider Nation Radio. A big week. I want to thank Harry Ruiz once again for sitting in for me as I went away on a trip. Uh, Last week, had a Raider event that I'll get to uh, yesterday. Harry's been great. And ever since I saw him do play-by-play and sat behind him, at Allegiant Stadium, I think the world of him, and I really like the fact that he's part of our team now and he gets to step in. And you'll hear him not only as a guest on this show, but he'll be stepping up for me when I'm traveling or I have another Raider event. So, again, bravo to Harry Ruiz, where a lot of people are noticing, especially in our building and around town. So I greatly appreciate that. Harry is fantastic. He's a grinder and a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing what his future brings to all of us because he's a great member of the Raider Nation. Also this hour, want to make an announcement that we are now proud partners with Virgin Hotels. And this is a big deal for me because before Virgin Hotels, it was the Hard Rock. And that's my DNA in Vegas. I met my wife at the Hard Rock at a Rolling Stones concert. And that's where all my friends were, all the bartenders, all the people that work behind the scenes for decades. And then Virgin Hotels took over with Richard Bosworth, the owner and his ownership group, He's become a good friend. I got a lot of friends who still work in that building and are fantastic family friends of mine. And we've been working on this for a while, so I'm just happy to announce it. And we're going to be doing some podcasts, some live remotes over at Virgin Hotels. And it's going to be a great place. They have some of the best restaurants in town. One Steak is where I'm at a lot. John O'Donnell, Michael Morton, the acclaimed restaurateur and entrepreneur, his spot there. Olives, Todd English, all the restaurants, the pools and what they're doing there from a sports perspective. So really proud to announce today that Virgin Hotels is one of our new partners here in my time slot, and I'm thrilled to have them. We're going to do a lot with them. They're good friends. And again, thanks to Boz and and the entire team over at Virgin Hotels for putting this deal together. Gary, the, the whole crew that listens to the show and wants to be a part of it, understands what we do on Raider Nation Radio. So I'm thrilled to bring Virgin Hotels into the show, and we'll have a lot more to talk about in some really cool appearances and remotes. And they have a big vision for what they want to do with sports, with their sports book as it gets going, what they're going to do outside some of their sports venues there. So I'm really happy about that. So as we get back to the Warriors, today I wanted to do almost exclusive Warriors because all the Raider fans and the Warrior fans deserve that today. It's kind of a slow time for the Raiders as everybody's shutting it down. But yesterday, I had the pleasure of emceeing the Raiders draft luncheon over at Allegiant Stadium. And wow, what a good time that was. I want to share that with you because this year we did it with a couple of uh, draft picks. They had three draft picks who are the guests. It was Dylan Parham, who's the offensive guard who can play every position on the offensive line. He was the first pick for the Raiders, the third round pick, but the first pick in this draft. Also, Matthew Butler, the defensive tackle out of Tennessee, and Thayer Munford Jr., the offensive tackle, and another guy who's played multiple positions for Ohio State. So I got to the stadium yesterday, and it was really hot, and I got inside and went right onto the field, and I sent out a couple of pictures at JT the Brick on Twitter. The, the Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders do everything five-star. I mean, it is five-star. This was a corporate event for U.S. Foods and Ray's Coca-Cola and all the proud partners. A lot of our, my teammates here from Lotus Broadcasting was there, which was great to see. So anyway, they had a green, green room set up for the players. And I went in and I met the guys because I've never met them before. 
and sat down and introduced myself, and we talked for a second and went over the program because it was going to be a Q&A with them for about a half hour. And wow, unbelievable. You know, I'm very humbled to have this opportunity to meet these guys who are all in their early 20s and are now football players vying for an opportunity to play in the NFL and to play for the Raiders. And they were all humble. They were all gentlemen and so courteous. I was just fascinated by talking to these guys. So I wanted to spend a minute and tell you what I learned about these guys overall. First, I want to start with Thayer Mumford Jr. He's the offensive lineman who came out of Ohio State. He's one of only a few players ever at Ohio State to win four Big Ten championships in a row. Think about that. He played in two college football playoffs. So getting into the Final Four on top of winning four Big Ten championships. That is big-time football. Remember, a lot of Ohio State players have played for this organization. Our good friend Morris Bradshaw, Jack Tatum, the assassin. You can go through a list, and it's a long list. I just wanted to mention that this young man, I was talking about his career and everything that he wanted to do, and I'm going to get around to what they want to do with their charity work at the end here, but what a cool guy. And very humble guy, big offensive lineman, obviously. I asked him what it was like to go up against Mad Max. And again, these are OTAs, but Chandler Jones, Mad Max, and you can see his eyes light up. He's just so happy to be there. And for guys like this who go to Ohio State or Tennessee or Georgia or Clemson, it's a huge transition to play in the NFL. But let's all remember that they played at the highest level of college football in the biggest conferences. So this guy comes in, Thayer Mumford Jr., battle-tested. I mean, played in some big games and was a big part of the Ohio State. So very nice to meet him. I'll get back to what he wants to do while he's here. Uh, Then we'll get to uh, Dylan Parham, the offensive lineman, as you know, from Memphis, and he comes in here, and he's expected to play. And I've been reading about what's been happening with him over at training camp at OTAs as, you know, with the second unit, the work that he's getting in at guard. We all know that he can play center. I don't know if he's going to compete against Andre James for that position or all. We're going to find out what's going to happen at training camp soon enough, but a very versatile player and another guy very humbled about living out here in the history of the Raiders. He had a really cool story when I asked him at the dais. We were on the stage about what he thought about the Raiders, and he mentioned Jim Otto, Gene Upshaw, Art Shell. So the guy gets it. He sees that every day in the building, and he understands that. But I want to spend most of the time on Matthew Butler, the defensive tackle from Tennessee. Oh, my God. What a tremendous human being. He was incredible on stage. He's a second-team academic All-American. I think he mentioned Nigerian studies and all the, all the classes he took in his majors. Really sharp guy. Uh, has a child that he had in college, so he's a dad. He understands his versatility and what he can do and how he can play multiple positions. But every time I asked him a question, he would pause, think about the question, and then give this elaborate answer, really deep, high-end, about his philosophy on football, training, weight training, the conditioning that he does. I was blown away by this guy. So I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of all three of these guys who were very kind to me yesterday. But keep an eye on Matthew Butler. Fantastic. Great to have a conversation with all three of them. And when we were done, I took a picture. And again, if you go, I tweeted that out yesterday. The size of these guys. 
you know, to be six foot, not six foot three or four, and to stand next to these guys, they are enormous, absolutely enormous. And they took pictures with the corporate sponsors, and they were fantastic. And these are the cornerstones of this draft class. There was three of them yesterday, and I just wanted to say great job by these three young men because I learned about their families, their moms, uh, what it was like to become Raiders or get drafted by the Raiders. They're just so excited to be here. And I just hope you, everybody who's listening to me today, can get behind them and really show them tremendous support because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where they're going to be on the depth chart and all that. I'm not privy to that right now. But all of them were massively big and strong, very humble, and had unique backgrounds from different parts of the country, all coming to Las Vegas. It was funny. We were talking about the wind and the heat, and Dylan Parnham talked about how hot it is when that air blows out there in Henderson. So I was telling him about Henderson, Summerlin, the wind, different parts of town. He just said, JT, it's hot. And we were laughing about how hot it could get this time of year as they're still here, this rookie class, putting in some work. There's a lot of the veterans and the coaches. Again, I've been doing this a long time. Look at your calendar. This is when everybody bolts. So a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of everybody just leave. And they get their vacations in with their family. Excuse me, one last time. The coaches are able to take their families and their kids or move their kids or get them settled. So this is kind of the break time here. And we'll have some good programming coming up starting next week to work around that and the lack of the Raiders that are going to be in town and the players and the lack of practice and all of that coming up. And then one other thing I wanted to mention, really proud to be associated with Marcel Reese. As you know, there's been a lot of changes in the Raider organization on and off the field. And Marcel Reese is a leader within this organization at the highest level now with his new title. You know, he's a four-time Pro Bowl fullback. So he's a Pro Bowler four times. Everybody knows him as a Raider alumni. But now he's senior vice president and chief of staff of the Las Vegas Raiders. So congratulations to Marcel Reese on this elevated position. And you wouldn't know because the guy's the most humble guy you could see around there. He's not a guy looking, hey, here's my business card. Look at my new title. This is a guy who is the right arm of Mark Davis and Larry Delson and the people within the organization high up. And Marcel gave an unbelievable opening presentation and speech about what it's like to be a Raider, the new draft class, what it's like for these young men to take the next step into becoming Raiders, and then talked about the community and what the Raiders want to do going forward. So very impressed that Marcel Reese was there yesterday to kick it off as I was able to introduce them. And, you know, we're on the field, and there's some Allegiant tours going on. So there were tours going on, so fans were coming on the field. They were blocked off to the area that we were at, but they could watch the whole thing on the video scoreboard. And I talked to a couple of fans there that, on the way out, really enjoyed that too. So Allegiant Stadium popped yesterday. It was great to see so many of our corporate sponsors out there and to meet these young men in the draft class. Oh, and the undrafted rookies were there too. So the undrafted rookies were sitting there with their black polo Raider shirts on, having lunch and listening to these draft picks as they spoke there. So I think that was a big moment for them overall. So exciting time yesterday. Great to be back in the stadium. It just looks great. You know, when I get an opportunity to go down into the bowels of the stadium, which I don't get an opportunity to do much first two years with COVID, and to see the locker room and to be around there, this is five-star. Man, this is five-star what they're doing here. All the players that come in, opposing players, the players that are on the team walk around Allegiant Stadium, and they just can't believe what they're seeing there. It is so spectacular. So that was a nice day yesterday. Then the Warrior game, 
last night was incredible. I watched it with my sons. We're going to talk about that coming up a little bit more as we've been talking about that throughout the show. And Steph Curry's legacy and what his legacy means now. You know, waking up earlier this morning, and my wife and I, before she goes to work, we have on Good Morning America or the Today Show, and you can see all the Steph Curry coverage on top of the sports shows that I watch. And it's amazing. It's his first ever finals MVP. That's the first time Steph won a finals MVP because Durant won two of them. Remember, the first one was Andre Iguodala, all worthy and deserving. But now Steph gets it, and everybody looks at him. And Bill Simmons wrote about this, the pantheon of Steph Curry, how he goes to the next level. And I agree with that. I think that win on the road in Boston in front of all those banners last night puts you on a different level if you're an iconic player. It's different than Michael Jordan winning in Salt Lake City. And Jordan's the number one player of all time. Most agree on that. To go into Boston in front of those fans and to do that last night for Steph Curry, that will never be taken away from him. That will add to his lore and legacy. And that storyline's only going to get bigger after his retirement. Beating LeBron James, the teams that he beat along the way, and then to beat the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals, that's hard to do. I know there's a lot of Laker fans that are happy today because the Celtics did not surpass the Lakers with overall championship wins as the Celtics are there at 17. 702-365-9200. Again, let's welcome in Virgin Hotels. If you're in town, the old Hard Rock, if you haven't been to Virgin Hotels, go check it out. The food, the restaurants are amazing. The pool is epic. Money baby, a great sports venue there, and we'll be doing a lot with them. When we come back a little bit later on this hour, Uh, Tonight, I'll be at the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. That'll be over at the Dollar Loan Center. Haven't been there yet. That's the new arena that they're going to be playing a lot of indoor football, hockey. I'm excited. Concerts are going to be there. So my wife and I are going to be there tonight, courtesy of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. I'm going to replay the interview with Amy Purdy coming up here because it's really important of what she overcame in her life. I'm going to have an opportunity to meet her tonight. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame was very kind to give us an exclusive to interview all of the inductees first. And I thought Amy's conversation was really important. And we'll hear that as that event kicks off at 6 o'clock tonight in Henderson. And I'm proud to be a part of it. JT, Raider Nation Radio on a Friday. Oh, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. If your father's in town, if your father passed away years ago, have that moment with your dad. If you have your kids and they're going to pay tribute to you if you're a dad out there. A lot of great dads in the Raider Nation. No doubt about that. To the new dads, the grandfathers, the dads who are out of state like my dad. Have a great Father's Day, everybody, on the flagship of the Silver and Black. JT, back with you on a beautiful Friday here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, and my bucket of Modelo on Friday, which is icing down in backyard brick. Going to have a few Modellos before I head out to the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame event tonight. That'll be at the Dollar Loan Center. And I thought it was important that we could hear this conversation with Amy Purdy, who's just a fantastic human being. She's an actress, a model a Paris snowboarder, a motivational speaker, a clothing designer. Uh, She is the 2014 Paralympic bronze medalist in snowboarding and the silver medalist 
in the 2018 Paralympic Games and the co-founder of Adaptive Action Sports. You probably know her from Dancing with the Stars and how far she went on that show. My conversation as she's entering the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame tonight. Amy Purdy is kind enough to join us as, again, I said, getting inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. And despite the loss of both legs below the knee, she's a three-time Paralympic medalist. She's a model. She's a guest speaker, a motivational speaker, one of the best in the business, and an actress. And she's very inspiring, and I'm thrilled to talk to her. Amy, thanks for doing this. Hope you're well, and congratulations. Hi, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. How excited are you? Take us back to the early years of Cimarron Memorial High School, or even younger than that, as you fell in love in sport with sports at a young age. What were those sports and the motivation to become an athlete? Well, I'll tell you what. I actually wasn't an athlete when I was young. When I was growing up in Vegas and when I was you know, in elementary school or high school, I was not an athlete. I was actually I was an artist. I took all painting classes, all art classes at Cimarron, and, but I did fall in love with snowboarding at the age of 15 to the point of where I knew it was something that I would do for the rest of my life. And I focused on that. I used to go up to Brian Head, also Las Vegas Ski Resort, which was Ski Lee at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I snowboarded every single day after high school. So we get out at 1 o'clock. I'd jump in my car. I'd drive up to the mountains, and I'd snowboard every day up there with my friends. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, to be a professional snowboarder coming from Las Vegas is pretty rare, but I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, Take us back to 1999 in the news. The chance of survival was less than 2%, the form of bacterial meningitis that you had. When you had that diagnosis with your family, the people around you, I'm sure it was super heavy. How were you able to get through the diagnosis before you started the process of fighting this? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, it came out of the blue. So I was a massage therapist, and I became a massage therapist so I could travel the world and snowboard. That was my whole point. I started working at the Venetian Hotel at Canyon mm. Ranch at the spa there as a massage therapist. And I remember going to work one day. I was 19 years old, and I felt great at the beginning of the day. But about midway through the day, I started to feel run down. I got hit with fatigue. My back ached a little bit. My neck ached a little bit. I went home from work early. The next day, I was rushed to the hospital in a state of septic shock where I fought for my life. I was given less than a 2% chance of living. Um, I was also given two hours left to live as my family was in uh, southern Utah in Brinehead uh, doing an event up there. And so my family had to rush in and, you know, that was maybe four hours away and the doctors and nurses told my parents, we don't know if she'll make it another two hours. At that point, they had no idea what I had. Um, we just we thought I had the flu, but it wasn't until five days later as I fought for my life in the hospital, I was in a coma, um, that I was diagnosed with meningococcal meningitis, which is a bacteria that is actually very rare to get. It's a very common bacteria. They say 25% of the population carry it, but, but the majority of people will never get sick from it. And for whatever reason, my immune system didn't fight it off. When it gets into your bloodstream, it multiplies every, it like doubles, the bacteria count doubles every 20 minutes. And so they say within the first 15 hours, it's like 85% fatal. So you think you have the flu and then all of a sudden you're in septic shock fighting for your life. And that's what happened to me. So 
I fought for my life in the hospital. I was put into an induced coma, had a near-death experience, actually, um, ended up losing my spleen, my kidney function, the hearing in my left ear, and both legs below the knees, um, just, you know, all within a, a, a matter of, you know, a week or two that I was in the hospital. And I, I stayed in the hospital for a couple of months fighting for my life, and um, my entire life changed. So I will definitely say, though, that I felt incredibly grateful to be alive. I knew how bad it was. I knew how close I was to losing my life. And I really moved forward by focusing on gratitude and what I had. I had my family who were by my side the entire time. I had my friends. I had support. I was so grateful for that. I really just focused on what I had versus what I lost. And that's what allowed me to move forward. Amy Purdy is our guest, newest recipient into the famed Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame coming up here from Cimarron Memorial High School. So after all this, the kidney transplant from your dad, which is another podcast and side story, that's so amazing. How did you get the inspiration and the fight to go out and compete again? What was the early transition like to having that type of confidence until you got comfortable again? You know, it just started somewhere, and it didn't start with thinking that I was going to compete, and it didn't start with thinking that I was going to be in the Olympics. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that big. I just knew that I loved snowboarding, and I, I loved it so much because my friends did it, my family did it. It's like that's what that's how I connected with my group of friends, so I knew that I wanted to figure it out. And when I was in the hospital, I kept asking the doctors, okay, can I snowboard on two prosthetic legs? And they would say, we don't know. We just got to get you walking first. Even when I met my first leg maker there in Vegas and he was making prosthetics for me, I would ask him like, okay, when, I, when can I snowboard? He would say, I've never seen a double leg amputee snowboard before. So we're just going to have to figure this out. So the drive and passion was there. And that's really what moved me forward. And in fact, that's what moved me through my darkest days is having the passion to move forward and to try to figure this out. I was I was kind of inspired or motivated by the challenge of trying to figure it out. And so I went up to Lee Canyon and tried mm. to snowboard and realized that my feet didn't move the way I needed them to. My ankles wouldn't bend and they came off and there's just so many things that happened. And, and I was very discouraged, but I also thought, well, if I can figure out a way to keep these feet attached, if I could figure out a way to get my ankles to move in the way I need them, then I probably can do this again. I just got to figure it out. And so I went on this mission and I called every, I called every leg manufacturer in the world and asked them if they ever made feet to snowboard in. And they said, no. So I decided to make a pair of feet myself. And I basically took random parts and pieces and Frankenstein these feet together um, that moved in the way that I needed them to. And so that was like the first step was just figuring it out. And then, then from there, the feet worked, but they didn't work as good as I wanted them to. Like as I was progressing and wanted to progress, my feet weren't keeping up with me. And so that's when I started looking for other resources and putting other things together. Now the feet that I snowboard in are a pair of feet that a friend makes in his garage he makes them for the entire international snowboard community, and they're made with this Fox motocross shock. They're incredible. So, so really, first of all, being a part of this kind of disabled community can be incredibly inspiring because 
everybody's so resourceful to try to figure things out. Like we're all creative and trying to help each other and trying to figure things out. And so as I kind of just wanted to grow as an athlete, I had to get the feet that helped me do that. And as that continued, um, it allowed me to, you know, to uh, kind of pursue snowboarding at a higher level. Um, And so it really just built, you know, when I was younger, I could have never imagined that I would be in the Olympics that I'd be on cereal boxes and billboards or being, you know, inducted into a sports hall of fame. Um, I never could have imagined that would be my path, but I followed the things that felt good and snowboarding felt good. And one thing led to the next, to another. Amy Purdy, as we wrap it up, what an, an inspiring human being. I'm thrilled. We get an opportunity to talk with her as she enters the Southern Nevada sports hall of fame. You know, I watch your TED Talk, and a lot of people know you for Dancing with the Stars, advancing all the way to the finale and the amazing race, season 18. And, and again, I love the TED Talk. I look at a lot of TED Talks and listen and watch the videos. So for you, this life where you're at now, you mentioned gratitude early in our conversation. And then with the mainstream media attention that picked up, what's next for you? Because you have so much going on in your life. I can't imagine how you book out your year with speeches, what you're going to do as a competitor, how you're going to travel the world. Tell us what you're doing now. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, So I actually, well, I'll be honest, you know, because of COVID and I actually had an injury a couple of years ago, kind of I've kind of slowed down a little bit when it comes to physically figuring out the possibilities. I I feel like I did that. I did that with my sport. I did that with Dancing with the Stars. Um, I actually just recently retired from um, competitive snowboarding. And so right now I'm I'm focused on, I'm at the very beginning stages of writing another book. Um, I also am just really inspired by, you know, just helping to make a positive impact um, when it comes to, you know, just my community, even, even children, I, I, I just, I'm very inspired, especially with what happened this past week, um, with the shootings in Texas. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just very inspired to be able to use the things that I've learned to be able to help others figure out the possibilities in their own life. And so I'm really, I'm as busy as I am with traveling and speaking to big corporations. I'm, I'm actually very inspired to, um, speak more for high schools schools and in general, um, just being able to, you know, positively influence um, our children. So that's something that, that, that I'm, very, I'm very kind of moved by and inspired by right now. Amy, congratulations on everything that's coming up. The Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame is a real big deal. Whenever I go to the ceremony, I see the individuals who get in. As you know, we're talking to everybody in your class. It's going to be a high honor and something you'll never forget. Thanks for coming on the radio with us. If I can do anything in the future to help with your foundation, charity work, please uh, let us get involved, and we'd love to help. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me today. Appreciate that with Amy. What a, what a heroic woman, huh? To, think, to see what she's gone through, to be in that situation at a very young age, to have a 2% chance to survive, kidney transplant from her dad again you know i just came back from amsterdam and i'm sitting there and you look out and you say to yourself in a quiet moment life isn't hard life isn't tough have gratitude look back be happy about these moments that you have i had with my wife right i'm I'm sitting there i had a couple of moments like that on a nice trip that i just went on complaining is a part of all of our dna we wake up every day only a few people i know in my life don't complain 
I mean, they're super high energy, and they're always excited. My buddy Steve Stallworth, who I'll be sitting with tonight, is really at the top of that list. I think of Amy and what she went through and all the times that she could have put her hand up and said, I'm done. I can't do any of this anymore. Why is God putting me through this? And she persevered. And uh, she will be honored tonight, and I can't wait to shake her hand and meet her tonight at the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Thanks again to that entire team over there, Michael Mack, Dale Eels, the entire team, all my friends over there that gave me the opportunity to conduct these interviews leading up to the Hall of Fame tonight. 702-365-9200. When we come back, more on the Warriors' win, how epic it was. The NBA season has come to a close. We'll concentrate a little bit more on baseball before the Raiders come back for training camp. And then on Monday, we kick off the summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch is my priority for the next six weeks or so. You will hear more Cliff Branch coverage on this show than you've ever heard before. And I hope we knock it out of the park. The legendary wide receiver who's no longer with us, he's getting inducted into Canton, Ohio's Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we're going to turn it into a party Every day or close to every day, I'm on the radio leading up into his induction on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Great crowds at all the PTs for the Warriors wins. My PTs guys said they were packed, serving food, Warrior fans at all these 64 locations here in the Valley on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is the JT The Brick Show. Welcome back. Final segment of the week as we continue here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had. The home of the $50 Grimaldi gift card, which we're stacking up here and ready to give away during NFL season. Grimaldi's, the best. That cold-fired brick oven pizza. I go to the great spot over at Boca with Vince and the crew there. Love it. Love Grimaldi's and my kids eat me out of house and home with Grimaldi's. That's how good it is. So as we wrap it up with the Warriors today, that was a big topic. It's the biggest topic in all of sports radio, and it connects really well to what's right here on the flagship of the Raiders. I worked for a number of years on the both flagships of the Warriors up in the Bay Area early in my career on KMBR, syndicated out of there, and then on 95-7 the game up there uh, for one of their championship years where I had really good access to the team And I'm not a Warrior fan. I've never been a Warrior fan, but I've always respected the team and their fans. And if you know me and if you've listened over the years, you know that. I think the Warriors are a well-run organization. I'm a fan of Steve Kerr to Steph Curry. I respect Draymond, even though I don't like him, but I don't know Draymond. So I'm not at that stage in my career where I hate Draymond Green like some other people do. But I like the way they put this team together and they continue to spend and how they're building the core. And they're doing a great job in the draft. Look, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a diehard Knicks fan. Why would I be happy for the Warriors winning four and eight years when my Knicks can't even make the playoffs, let alone win championships since the 70s? And today I noticed before the show, I was watching some shows, you know, some debate shows, whatever was on. And it's amazing how many people like this team and almost feel like they have to root for them. No, you don't have to root for this team. This victory and championship is about the warrior fans the warrior fans who deserve it not the member of the media who says i like the warriors because i like draymond 
Draymond's my guy. He's my friend. No, no. That's nothing to do with this. This celebration is for Warrior fans, and that's it. If you're a Memphis fan or a Portland fan or you're a fan of the Dallas Mavericks, you, you can't enjoy this. This team is building a dynasty. It's very similar to what I've talked about over the years with the Patriots. Patriots were very similar to the Warriors. They're a likable team. People like winners. And when, they're, when a team is winning and it's not your team, you should be rooting against that team to stop their run. But with the Patriots, Tom Brady's likable. You watch him on TV all the time. So they get into the playoffs and you're okay with them winning. And with the Warriors, it's the same thing. Steph's a great player. He's got a gimmick. His gimmick is he's the greatest three-point shooter of all time. The league and the game looks more like the Harlem Globetrotters than basketball every year. As I tweeted out last night, we are in the three-point era of the NBA, like it or not. This is not basketball the way anybody is used to. It has evolved into a chucking, shoot whenever you want, three-point league, and the Warriors are the best because they have the best two three-point shooters who are clutch in Clay and Steph. And then everybody else on that team can hit a three. Wiggins when he has to. A pool can step out and hit a three. They got guys who make shots, and they make dramatic shots, circus shots, and they're able to do it. But the love fest is real because they're likable. And a lot of teams are not likable in sports. And Raider fans, you should know that better than anybody. The fact that Raider fans, you get more crap from fan bases when, when you're losing, when the Raiders are an average team, they're still getting dumped on by fans all over the country. Imagine when this Raider franchise wins a Super Bowl, which I think is going to happen sooner than later. How many people are going to be against the Raiders when that moment happens? No one's against the Warriors. The Warriors win again next year. There'll be people jumping on the bandwagon. Matter of fact, let me make this point clear. The Warriors might be the biggest bandwagon team in all professional sports now. You watch a Warrior game anywhere around the country, a road Warrior game where they're not in San Francisco, you see Warrior fans everywhere. They're not Warrior fans. There are Warrior fans living in Memphis, living in Detroit. They're not one freaking Warrior fan 10 years ago that lived anywhere west of the Mississippi, excuse me, east of the Mississippi, nobody. But they started winning, and they become this dynasty, and little kids, moms buy, go to Target, they go to stores, Walmart, they buy jerseys, they order step jerseys. All of a sudden, some seven-year-old kid who lives in Braden in Florida doesn't have a team, he's not a Heat fan, he's a Warrior fan. That's what happened to the Patriots, as the Patriots and the Warriors are tied together and similar. They're building their brand globally, because of bandwagon jumpers who are coming on board and kids who don't have a team in their community and they watch Steph on television and they go, that's my guy. I want to be a Warrior fan. And you can't stop it. I'm not telling you that it's awful. I'm just telling you the reality of it. The Warriors have a tremendous bandwagon fan base. Uh, They're diehard fans I'm not talking about. Diehard fans are great. Rooted in Oakland, Oakland Warrior fans, San Francisco fans, great fans. I'm just talking about the fact that they are the current bandwagon in sports. And it's, it, was, it felt like that with Kansas City Raider Nation. It really felt like Kansas City. What would we be doing now if Kansas City had three Super Bowls? They should. They got one. They got one Super Bowl. They should at least have two. And, it, and they could have had three with Mahomes. And maybe they will in the next couple of years unless this franchise can stop them along with Denver and especially the Chargers. But imagine if Mahomes had three Super Bowls, he'd just be like Curry. 
and, and and more bandwagon fans jumping on board. Hey, as we wrap it up, a couple of highlights that I wanted to get to on what the Warriors have been able to do, and it's been really impressive, especially in this run here. The run has been incredible. Everybody knocking down shots. The players in crunch time doing it in Boston when they had to do it. It really was amazing to see last night the way they were able to come out in spurts and get going again, especially early in this game. They won the first quarter 27-22. Then they outscored Boston by 10 in the second quarter, 27-17. to A couple of the highlights of the game. And I tell you, a guy stepped up on this team throughout the postseason. It was pretty incredible to see who stepped up at what time and who was going to get it done. Here's Andrew Wiggins, who could have been the MVP of the NBA Finals, but Steph was going to get it, and Steph was better than him. But Wiggins put on a show. Here's a Wiggins three. Curry around a Draymond screen. Now around a Looney screen. Curry on the kick out. Wiggins left corner three, and rims it in. So Wiggins played fantastic. Let me check his box score. 44 minutes. <laughs> he played the most minutes in the game. Most minutes was not Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. And Draymond played 42. Steph played 40. Clay played 41. Wiggins played 44 minutes. 7 of 18 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. He didn't attempt the free throw, which is shocking to me. He had 18 points in the game. Here's Steph Curry knocking down a deep three. Curry, left wing three, walked into it. Perfect! Boston's got to take time! A second thought, don't wait. Oh, my word. So Curry could just knock down every shot. He could make them all. He's incredible. He's absolutely incredible what he's able to do. Just fun to watch. Matter of fact, we got another Steph three, so let's load up on the Steph threes as in the second half, he was in rhythm again and just knocking down everything in sight. Curry, sidestep, pump fake, three on the way. Good! Steph Curry from deep. Curry, 40 minutes as I said, 12 of 21 from the field, 6 of 11 from three, 34 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, a block shot, and only two turnovers. I mentioned the two turnovers. I mentioned the two because Jason Tatum had 100 turnovers in the playoffs. 100 turnovers in the entire playoffs, which is hard to believe. I mean, that's almost impossible. So with all that going down in the game, here is the final call, the championship call, as the Warriors win the NBA title. Let the celebration begin with four titles in the last eight years. The run is not done. The Golden State Warriors once again are NBA champions in 2022. So all of that Warriors radio on the call, 95-7 the game. The Warriors radio network, tremendous basketball, uh, a dagger to do it on the road in front of the Boston fans who to me didn't look as hostile as they looked in game three. I don't know, maybe there was a police presence, maybe, I don't know what was, I wasn't there, but it was loud, it was very loud, but you didn't hear the stories about the insanity and the profanity and all that that we heard after game three here. Some of the post-game sound after the game, and it was really good. Uh, Here's Steph Curry in an interview talking about the fact that no one thought they would be there, and usually when I play these sound bites, it's always BS, because when you're great, everybody expects you to be there, but I admit this, all year long on the radio, in the beginning of the year, it was LeBron and Kevin Durant. Could they meet in the finals? Giannis Antetokounmpo, can he recapture and go back-to-back? Who was going to get it done there? I thought Phoenix was the best team in basketball. Here's Steph Curry. Beginning of the season, nobody, nobody thought we'd be here, except everybody in this 
on this court right now. It's amazing. Very surreal, though. Very surreal. So that was the motivation for Steph Curry to get it done. He was highly motivated. And you heard that from a lot of these conversations last night. And Steph also talked about this, about it being different. This one's a little bit different, number four, probably because he's got a finals MVP and the journey that they went on. Every championship journey is different. How would you describe this one? Just combining our championship pedigree and our experience with some fresh energy, some guys that are really hungry to take their next step. But we've built this for 10, 11 years. And that means a whole lot when you get to the stage because you know how to win. And everybody who's been a part of this knows what that's about. So this is uh, this one hits different. This one hits different for sure. So that was tremendous there from Steph Curry last night and what he was able to talk about. And one more, I want to get to uh, Steve Kerr, if we can do this here really quickly, because Steve Kerr has done an amazing job as a coach here. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He knows when to motivate these guys. He has Steph Curry, and he played with Michael Jordan, Steve Kerr. Listen to what he thinks about this moment for Steph. I'm happy for everybody, but I'm thrilled for Steph. To me, this is his crowning achievement in what, what's already been an incredible career. And after that, one more that I'd like to play on Draymond Green, who I'm going to get into here in a little bit. Draymond played 42 minutes, 5 of 10 from the field, 12 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 8 assists, 12 points, and plus 16. Say what you will about Draymond Green, but this guy showed up in a monster way. He is the inspiration of the team, and Draymond knows, you know, you got great players now, including Steph Curry, one of the greatest to ever play. What's next for you guys? How far can you guys take this? As you guys have four now, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I don't. I don't like to put a number on things uh, and and say, "Oh man, we can get five, or we can get six, or we gonna get them until the wheels fall off." And you know, that's our goal to compete at this level every year. I think you know, when you look at a guy like Steph Curry to have the season that he's had, to have the career that he's had, it's absolutely amazing. And to stamp that with a Finals MVP, I know he said it don't matter, and. It doesn't matter in the sense of like, oh, well, he's not. His legacy is not quite this unless he gets that. Like, that's garbage. Still Steph Curry, still an all-time great. But to add that to your resume as a competitor, you want that, you know? And, you know, for him, well-deserved. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. But he left no doubt, left no doubt. And he carried us. And we're here as champions. So some of the sound and the sound bites from the game last night. So as we wrap this up and we put a bow on this, we, we got to talk about the definition again of a dynasty and what this means long term. They've won four in eight years. Is that a dynasty? I don't think so. I think the three, they won three out of five. That would be a dynasty. And then they didn't make the playoffs and they didn't win. So how could this be a dynasty when they weren't in the playoffs a year ago? They had Clay Thompson out for two years. If you want to add on to it and extend the dynasty, do whatever the hell you want to do. I think this could be the start of a new dynasty because they do have, they have young players. The players that they have, Otto Porter Jr., who is young, Looney, Gary Payton II, Poole, who played 18 minutes and had 15 points, Kaminga. I mean, they got good young players on this team, and they have an enormous payroll. They remind me a lot of the Dodgers and the Yankees. Like, money's no object. They can go over the luxury tax. They can pay the fine. Their ownership is making that up in T-shirts and ticket sales and merchandise and all of that. And they're a very sharp organization. They do a lot of things right when it comes to social media, entertainment. They have a record label. I mean, they, they do 
Joe Lacob in this organization and the ownership here, his minority partners do an incredible job. So I expect the Warriors to be back again. They are getting older. I mean, Clay's not, I don't think Clay's going to get any better. I think Steph can sustain this greatness for another year or two, kind of like what Tom Brady did. Tom Brady's sustaining greatness. Steph's a jump shooter. He's not a power forward and a center whose knees are getting beat up. He's getting thrown to the ground on every play. So I think Steph can come back here. But for the Warriors, this victory for them did a bunch of cool things. They beat the Celtics, which magnifies the victory. Beating the Celtics in the NBA Finals is much bigger than beating the Miami Heat or the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the Celtics. Red Orbach, the leprechaun, Havlicek, Bird, the iconic Celtics. So this one feels a little bit bigger. I also think it feels a little bit bigger because the Lakers crashed and burned. And that's their big rivalry in the West. LeBron James, arguably the greatest player in the world. I think that's fair to say for a while. LeBron didn't even make the playoffs. And Steph and Clay won a championship. So people are thinking about Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And Kevin Durant. Let me move on to Durant. Durant decided to leave this team because of his ego and the opportunity maybe wanting to do it on his own in Brooklyn. But the problem is he went to Brooklyn to build a super team and the super team caved and crashed and burned. I mean, think of what Durant did. He left this Warrior team. He didn't have to. The Warriors had the money to pay him. Maybe they were going to pay Steph more than Durant. That probably bothered Durant a little bit. But he could have just stayed there and knocked down more championships with that organization. And maybe Durant and Clay and Steph get five rings. Now Durant's going to get nowhere near that. And Steph and Clay are on the verge of winning another one, and that would get him five. So let's add Durant into this conversation of what's happening here. Also, Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo, probably the best player in the world in his early prom, probably the best number one player in the world. He didn't get to the finals and go back-to-back. Steph was able to do it as Clay came back from injury. Add a little bit more gravitas to what the Warriors were able to do there. And then they're doing it still in a pandemic. Even though these arenas are full, it's been difficult to keep an organization together with health and safety protocols. I've always pointed that out. It is hard to win when you're worried about getting people and keeping people healthy. And they had guys coming off injuries. They were able to do that. And now the legacy of the players that are on the roster. Draymond Green instantly goes to the Hall of Fame. The NBA is the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. I mean, they put guys in college, college coaches in as they're still coaching into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Players get into the Hall of Fame and they don't have elite stats. Draymond's walking right through that front door because of his tenacity, his rebounding, his assist, the way he handles the ball, gets everyone involved, and he's their emotional leader of a dynasty team, if you want to call it that. So Draymond goes in. I think Clay's going to go in as a Hall of Famer because he's got four rings and a great shooter. Steve Kerr, easily Hall of Famer as a coach, not a player, but played on great teams. It's his entire body of work. But what this did for Steph Curry, as Bill Simmons talked about in his podcast and wrote about, this moves him to the pantheon of the all-time greats. So I really believe this, that Steph now drops into the top 10 all-time. The top 10 list, depending on where you have it, I don't know who you move out. But I got a lot of big men. I got four big men in my top 10 all time. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaq. That's four out of 10. Magic and Bird, right? That's six. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. At seven there, when you take a look at that. 
And, you know, we, we look at the numbers. Tim Duncan is a movable. You cannot move Tim Duncan from the greatest of all time. Then you got Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, two of the all-time greats. I mean, all, all-time greatest players there. Steph Curry goes ahead of me. You got to put Steph Curry ahead of Jerry West. And West was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Iconic. Absolute icon of all time. Akeem Olajuwon. I can't put five big guys in there. How can I put five in there? Russell, Wilt, Kareem, Shaq. I'm sorry, Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, other ones. There's no room for you. Then we get to Carmelone, right? Second all-time in scoring. He's a tough guy to remove. You got to remove him for Steph Curry. I mean, think of the names that I believe Steph is better than. And then you get to LeBron James, who I think LeBron could be the second or third greatest player of all time when it's all said and done. He's got four rings. I think LeBron will get another one. I think they'll build it right in Los Angeles. He'll be in the hunt. Or LeBron will go ring chase somewhere else. But LeBron's going nowhere as one of the all-time greats. And he's going to lap everyone. LeBron James will end his career with more points than Steph Curry. And points are important because Steph is in the points business. They both score the bucket. And LeBron will have more than Steph, and Steph isn't going to catch LeBron. I can promise you that. So with all of that, congratulations to the Warriors, Steph Curry, everyone involved in that organization, my friends who are Warrior fans, many who are listening today. You deserve it. Uh, Enjoy the parade. Enjoy the excitement of new gear and new dubbed shirts and uh, the opportunity to repeat next year, which I think they'll be able to do it. I know the Raider Nation has a lot of good friends with Warrior fans all around the globe. So congratulations. We spent a lot of time on that today, but I think we should, and we did. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Bobby produced the show. Uh, Thanks to Ashley from Sam and Ash. Uh, Tonight, the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame at the Dollar Loan Center. I'll be there for that. Going to see a lot of cool people tonight and a lot of good friends, and I'll tell you about that on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have even a better Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.